Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 28. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. After several months of traveling through the wilderness, you know if you've been with us, God brought them to the big rectangular-shaped mountain called what? Saints. Mount Sinai. And the mountain, you know, began to quake. The mountain began to shake. The mountain began to be filled with smoke and fire. And the Lord called Moses to come up into the mountain. And so Moses enters into the mountain. He enters into the presence of God. And God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. God also gave Moses some laws and some principles as it relates to life and ceremony and rituals for the people to live by. God also gave Moses, are you listening, some very, very specific instructions on how to build the tabernacle. And we spent a good number of weeks just kind of looking at the tabernacle and all of the cubics. And I'm sure that you guys remember all of them and haven't committed to memory. And uh, not. And uh, so we looked at the Ark of the Covenant. And we talked about the table of showbread. We talked about the menorah. We talked about the tabernacle that kind of sat within the courtyard. And the tabernacle was sitting in the midst, and it was 45 feet long. Remember, we talked about that, 15 feet wide and and 15 feet high. The tabernacle, the last time, not last week, but the week prior, the tabernacle was in the center of the camp and all around the tabernacle on the north, the south, the east, and the west were the tents of Israel. And I love that because actually as God would look down on the tents, on the tabernacle, what God would see from an aerial view is a cross, and as the people of God would wake up in the morning, they take a breath and step outside and oh, it's a beautiful day. The very first thing they would see would be the tabernacle. And what does that tell us? What does that teach us? That God was already teaching the people that he wanted to be the center of their lives. So you couldn't come outside without seeing the smoke of incense ascending. And you couldn't come outside and miss the presence of God among the people. And we pointed out the last time, certainly what was true for Israel is true for us. God wants to be the center of your life. God wants to be the center of my life. And so as you look at the tabernacle and as you approach the tabernacle, the first thing you would encounter as you're coming up to the tabernacle, you would see at the east gate, you would see this gate that was 35 feet wide. It was actually a curtain of many colors. And you would go through that curtain into the courtyard, and then you would run into an altar, which was seven and a half feet square and four and a half feet tall. 
This altar was made of brass. Calvary Chapel, help me out. Brass is a metal that speaks of what? Judgment. You know that. So as you would enter, you would see the priest cutting the throats and sacrificing animals at the brass altar or the brazen altar. Are you with me? Behind the brazen altar, you would see a brass wash basin. And behind that, you would see another veil which took you into the holy place. It's in the holy place that you would see the table of showbread and the menorah. And then you would go beyond that and you would see an altar of incense. And then beyond that, you would see yet another veil. It's kind of three veils in the temple. But we actually talk about one veil because that's the veil that was 18 inches thick. The veil that was torn when Jesus died on the cross. The veil that separated the holy of holies and the most holy place. You got this visual? Y'all with me? You breathing? Say amen. Amen. So you go through another veil and now you're into where? The holy of holies. It's in the Holy of Holies that we find the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is made of acacia wood and it's overlaid with pure gold. On top of the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat with the cherubim, these winged angels facing each other. And they're not acacia wood overlaid with gold. They are made of pure, solid gold. We talked about all of that. Then we get into chapter 8, the last time we were together, it brought us to the priest himself. And we talked about the clothing of the priest. And then in chapter 29, we have the consecration of the priest. Now, I want you to notice something here. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, listen at this. We're talking about priest. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you also, it says, as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Then again, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it tells us, but you, Christian, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own, what saints? Special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, the New Testament teaches us, listen, saints, that we are a royal priesthood in the sense of representing the Lord to people. Therefore, although we're talking about the priesthood, we're talking about the ministry, particularly of Aaron, you'll see in a moment, and his sons, When you get to the New Testament, listen, there is no priesthood. You understand that? There is no priesthood. We are all now priests unto God. So there's no more priesthood. The priesthood is gone. And every single one of us are priests unto God. So the last time we were together, we started going through chapter 28. If you were with us looking at the priest and his garments. And then we looked at some ministry points that I gave you. And if you missed any of them, um, we're going to give them to you again in just a second. But I think that there's some things that we can learn about ministry as we look at the ministry of Aaron and his son. Gave you some ministry points that were applicable. Talking about the priestly garment, we looked at the last time, the ephod, which was worn over a linen garment. And the ephod we talked about was symbolic of the fact that when the high priest went into the presence of God, 
He carried the children of Israel on his shoulders. And we made the ministry point, number one, that the shepherd is always to be connected to the people and, the, and to bear the people up before the Lord. That's the ministry point we learned from the ephod. And then secondly, we talked about talking about the priestly garment. We talked about the breastplate. The breastplate was made of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet. And it was attached to the ephod with gold chains. Remember, the breastplate had three rows of four gemstones. And each stone had one name of the 12 tribes engraved on it. And the priest would enter the presence of God wearing the breastplate. And the second ministry point we talked about the last time, not only are we as ministers to stay connected and carry the people, but we are also to love the people, to carry them on our breast. If you understand, say amen. To carry them on our breast, to carry them close to our heart. And then we talked about behind that breastplate was a pouch. And this pouch had two stones in them. Anybody know the name of those two stones? The Urim and the Thummim. Remember I told you they mean lights and perfection. Now what is the Urim and the Thummim? We don't know. No one knows. I suppose when we get to heaven, we can ask God. I'm going to ask God. God, what was up with the Urim and the Thummim thing? He might say, none of your business. He might decide to tell me. Who knows? So tonight we come to the priestly garments. Again, we're going to talk about tonight as we conclude talking about the garments. We'll talk about the robe. If you're taking notes, we're going to talk about the robe, the miter. Well, that's a turban. And we'll talk about the sash, the robe, the miter, and the sash. As we pick up tonight where we left off last week or last time Exodus chapter 28, we pick up in verse 31. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Some of y'all ain't looking. (laughs) Exodus 28, I hear those pages turning. Exodus 28, look at verse 31. If you're looking at it now, say amen. amen. And you shall make the robe of the ephod all of what color, saints? Blue. And there shall be an opening for his head in the middle of it. It shall have a woven binding all around its opening, like the opening in a coat of mail, so that it does not tear. And upon its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet, and all around its hem, and bells of gold between them all around. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe all around it. And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers and it sounds, if you don't already have that underlined, underline that right now. And its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord. And when he comes out that he may not die. And you shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet. And what should that gold plate say, saints? Holiness to the Lord. And you shall put it on a blue cord. I get the impression God's trying to tell us something about blue. You shall put it on a blue cord. That it may be on the turban and it shall be on the front of the turban. 
And so it shall be on Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hollow in all their holy gifts. And it shall always be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Uh, Let's just read the rest. And you shall skillfully weave the tunic of fine linen thread. You shall make the tunic of fine linen and you shall make the sash of woven work. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics and you shall make sashes for them and you shall make hats for them for glory and for beauty. And so you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them, underline that, consecrate them, underline that, and sanctify them, underline that, that they may minister to me as priest. And you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness and they shall reach from the waist down to the thigh and they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place that they do not incur sin or iniquity and die. And it shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Remember, we talked about the descendants of Levi are known as the Levites. And the Levites are the priestly tribe, and they're responsible for the tabernacle. These were the people, the tribe, the group, who were in ministry. With Aaron, get this, the ministry is born. There was no ministry prior to Aaron and his sons. So here we have the ministry beginning with the tribe of Levi, which were the Levites. Aaron and Aaron was the high priest, And his sons were appointed to the priesthood. The priest, as we talked about last week, had to wear special clothing. The ephod, the breastplate we talked about, and the robe, as we just looked at. Now, we want to notice about the robe. The robe was a basic covering. We just looked at that right about verse 31. The robe was a basic covering, and it was blue, and it was seamless, with a hole in the top, So you could put your head through it. You know, when I read this today, I thought of the seamless robe that Jesus wore. Remember, and they took that robe and they parted it. And they they, they gambled, cast lots for Jesus' robe. I thought of that as Jesus, our great high priest, also wore a robe that was seamless. Well, the high priest had a robe and it was seamless. And on the hem of that garment or on the hem of that robe, there was to be pomegranates of uh, little pomegranates of gold and, and, and bells, pomegranates and bells, pomegranates and bells, pomegranates and bells all the way around the robe. So you as you're looking at the robe, it's blue. And at the bottom of it, you've got these pomegranates, which look like little fruit things, little fruit items and bells all the way around the robe. The robe was to be the color blue. Did you get that? This blue robe, blue, as I told you symbolically, what does blue represent, Calvary Chapel? Heaven. Blue is the color of heaven. The color of blue is woven all throughout, as you look in the Bible, it's very interesting. All throughout the things of God, we see the color blue. When the children of Israel traveled through the wilderness, they were to cover the Ark of the Covenant with a blue cloth. The tabernacle had a blue curtain in it. The tassels on the talith, you know what a talith is? 
it's a prayer shawl. You know the prayer shawl that the Jewish people wear? I have one. I should have bought it out for you. And on the prayer shawl, you have all the strings that's hanging, little fringes that's hanging from the prayer shawl. And those fringes on the talith would be blue and white, blue and white. God loves blue. Hey, the sky, God created the sky and the sky is blue. Unless you live in Los Angeles, then it's brown. (laughs) I just came from L.A. It's like amazing how you're going through and it's like all brown. It's amazing. It's kind of crazy. But God loves the color blue. The color blue is full of holy reminders. The high priest was to have the color of heaven. Are you with me? As part of the garments to remind him that they are heavenly priests and heavenly people. Ministry point number three as we pick up tonight. Listen, as you're serving the Lord, don't forget to keep in mind that all you do, listen, All you do is about heaven. Do you realize all we do, everything that we do, is all about the end result is heaven. The preaching of the gospel is about heaven. Serving in the children's ministry is about heaven. Vacation Bible school is about heaven. The building project is about heaven. Everything that we do as Christians in the church, and we do for God, should be about heaven. You know, this past Saturday, I did a memorial service. You guys remember Walter Johnson? Many of you know, of course, that he went home to be with the Lord. I never make the mistake to say a Christian died. Christians don't die. Did y'all know that? Christians don't die. He didn't die. Man, I was talking to somebody at the memorial service, and they said, oh, when Walter died, I said, hold it, partner. Well, Christians don't die. That, that is a misnomer. Please don't ever say that. Christians don't die. We move. Christians don't die. We just transfer. We relocate. But he didn't die. And, and, and he didn't die. He just left here and he went to heaven. He went to heaven. And, you know, I was thinking about that. I was sharing with the people on Saturday. You know, I thought about this and I think we forget life is short. If you know that, wave at me. Life is short and heaven ain't that far away. Do you believe it? Heaven is not that. Now, I know when you're 15 years old, you think you got your whole life ahead of you. You think you're invincible. You walk in front of cars. When you're 15, you ain't nobody going to hit me. I'm big and I'm tough and I'm buff. Somebody hit you, bam, you in heaven. just trying to make a point here. Heaven ain't far. You know, we forget heaven isn't that far away. We need not listen. Forget about heaven. Now, don't misunderstand me. You know, some people are, are, and I've met people like this and so have you. Some people are so heavenly minded. They are no earthly good. Anybody know anybody like that? Man, you're sitting there and they just always, I mean, I don't, 
I'm not into the spiritual language stuff and all. I'm not really into it. I mean, I, I'm in the reality and I'm into, yeah, I mean, but all the spiritual language is so heavenly minded. I mean, you talk to them and it's, you know, how you doing? Well, bless the Lord, oh, my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I'm going to heaven and I can't wait going to be with Jesus. Oh, man, I just asked, how you doing? Oh, praise the Lord. I'm on fire for Jesus. The blood has cleansed me, washed me, forgiven me, sanctified me, cleansed me. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're so heavenly minded, you are no earthly good. Calm down. <laughs> you get there soon enough. You know, we don't want to be like that either. But at the same time, listen, we do have to understand. I'm just joking. But listen, we must understand that this is not our home. And we have to remain heavenly minded. You got to remind yourself this is not your home. You got to remind yourself, Jesus told us, don't you remember? Jesus helped us to keep our minds on heaven when he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust do corrupt, and where thieves break in and steal your stuff. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust do corrupt. Where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus was reminding us, this is not your home. You're going to heaven. Someday you're going to heaven. Do you realize that the early church, listen to me, the early church lived in that constant expectation. The Bible calls that hope. Hope in the Greek language is the earnest expectation of something good. The, the early church lived with the hope of heaven. The early church lived with the fact and conscious of the fact that Jesus could come back any day and take them to heaven. And it's very interesting because he didn't come back in their lifetime, but they lived as if he could. And if he didn't come back, which he didn't, I don't think any of them were disappointed. You won't be disappointed if you live in eternity, I like to tell people, here's the key to successful living. Because folks write books and DVDs and all kinds of stuff. I can make it simple for you. One thing. How do, how do, how do you live happy, Rodney? How do, I mean, how do you really maintain this kind of heavenly-minded thing? I say live it like this. Live your life backward. What do you mean? Live your life Everything you do, you're thinking about, would it please God? Would it bless God? Would it be something that would honor God? Live your life from a heavenly perspective. Set your affections on the things above, the Bible says. Live your life backward. Most people live their life from the earth, hoping that God will be pleased with what they're doing. They live it from earth to heaven. I say, Christian, listen, we're supposed to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, live your life from heaven to earth. Somebody say amen. amen. Please say amen. That's the way we're to live. That's biblical Christianity. We're to live in the reality of heaven. You know, somebody once wrote this. They said, when we are consumed with the reality of heaven, Christ is free to consume us on the earth. When we realize that final gain is there, and then we are free to live for him here and now. Now, that is so true. When we're consumed with the reality of heaven, Christ is free to consume us on earth. Isn't that true? When we realize that final gain is there 
and then we are free to live for him in the here and now. That is so very true. Look at your Bibles right about in verse 33. You want to notice that this robe was to be worn by the high priest Aaron. And note I had you underlined in verse 35. And its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord. Are you looking at verse 35? Before the Lord that he die not. Now we talked about this before. Here we have saints. Listen, the idea is that when the priest would go in to minister before the Lord, we have these bells and these pomegranates around the robe. And as the priest would walk, the people would hear the ringing and the jingling as he would walk around in the holy place, in the most holy place. And the people could hear the sound of the bells. They could hear the ringing of the bells. And that would let the people know that the high priest was alive and ministering in the presence of the Lord. Now, before the high priest went in, if you've been around here, you already know this. Before he went into the Holy of Holies to minister before the Lord, they would tie a rope around his ankle. And it would be a very long rope around his ankle. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.